The U.S. Food and Drug Administration Center for Drug Evaluation and Research is sponsoring a public workshop on rare disease advocacy Monday, October 30th at the FDA's White Oak Campus in Silver Springs, Maryland. This workshop builds upon previous CEDAR patient advocacy public workshops and is primarily for the rare disease community members to help them effectively understand FDA's needs for enhanced drug development. This workshop will include case studies demonstrating the beneficial overlap of effective advocacy techniques, and FDA regulations in rare disease drug development. The workshop is free, but you must register in advance to attend. The event is co-sponsored by Global Genes. To learn more or to register, go to globalgenes.org forward slash FDA workshop. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. When Amber Olson's daughter, Willow, was diagnosed in 2016 with an ultra-rare lysosomal storage disorder known as multiple sulfatase deficiency, the diagnosis was grim. There's no treatment for the disease, and most children with the condition don't live past the age of 10. Unlike other lysosomal storage disorders that have been treated with enzyme replacement therapies, MSD involves a lack of multiple enzymes and also has significant central nervous system involvement that makes delivery of therapies that much more challenging. We spoke to Olson about MSD, the United MSD Foundation she founded to drive research towards treatments, and how she enlisted one researcher to pursue a potential gene therapy. Amber, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about your daughter, Willow, the rare and fatal condition she has known as multiple sulfatase deficiency, or MSD, and your efforts to find a treatment. Let's start with MSD, though. What is it? How does it progress? What's the prognosis for someone who has it? And, and what treatments are available, if any? Sure. Multiple sulfatase deficiency is categorized as a lysosomal storage disease, uh, which there are 50 of. Um, possibly more. So it's um, each of them are different, and then they're they're have a different deficient enzyme, but the functioning is the same. They're missing an enzyme. The uh, storage material builds up over time, so these children are born normal, and then the storage material builds up in the lysosome, and then the cells slowly die throughout the body. Um, where Willows is different is, and the reason it's called multiple sulfatase deficiency is because. Um, unlike most of them, she has 17 deficient enzymes, so six of them and the lysosome. Um, so most, like I said, most storage diseases have one. So the, the six that are in the lysosome um, are like aerosulfatase A, which is the same deficient enzyme as metachromatic leukodystrophy, and um, heparin, which is the same one as Sam-Filippo 3A. So it's like she has six lysosomal diseases. She actually has the um, the attributes, the the symptoms of six lysosomal diseases. One of her missing enzymes is responsible for dry skin. So she has severe dry skin, which is the least symptom she has. Um, she has 
um, the same symptoms as Morkikyo A syndrome, which is like small stature. She's very small, um, and she's the bones don't grow right. So um, eventually, she's only four years old now, but eventually she'll have curvature of the spine and um, different problems with bones. And the worst symptom is the neurological component of it. So it's, it's breaking down the brain, similar to metachromatic leukodystrophy. And um, she's not going to be able to, I mean, she has very slowing brain development. So she used to be able to run when she was like two years old. She could run and now she can no longer um, walk or sit up even by herself. And she um, used to be able to eat food normally. And this summer we had to go to feeding too because her mouth isn't working properly and her swallowing has slowed down. So it's just the slowing of the body. The prognosis, um, most of the children die before they're 10. Um, in the early infantile stage, they die usually in the first year. Late infantile, which is what Willow has, um, they die, you know, anywhere from five to some do live into their teens. And then, um, there is a juvenile, but I, I'm not, I haven't seen any of those cases. I'm not sure how that works. It does display a little differently, even though there's very few kids. There's only 50 children that we know of in the world that have it. Um, the mutation, it's mutation specific, so each mutation looks a little different. I mean, there are some kids in their teens that are still walking, um, but many of our children, you know, are similar to Willow where they're just, they're breaking down kind of early in this three to five year age. Um, when did you first become concerned that there was a problem with Willow? Uh, when when she was born, she was eight pounds, born normal. Um, her mouth was a little small. Um, and then that was really the only kind of minor thing. And then I have two other children that are 14 and 11. So she Willow didn't progress at the same rate. So when, when she did crawl, um, she did walk, but it was always late. And her motor skills, well, you know, she could put the cherry on the bottle. Um, it start, She started to kind of have fine motor skill issues around um, 18 months, two years old. And she was walking and running, but her balance, like she started to fall. Um, <clears throat> so, and, and she had frequent ear infections um, throughout her first year and second year. And so she had... Um, and the other symptom was she's never spoken. So she never had words or sounds, really any significant sounds. So all of that combined um, made us very concerned. And even though the doctor kept saying, well, she's going to, you know, every kid progresses at their own pace. Maybe it's these ears. We put ear tubes in. Then they said maybe it's the adenoids. We had the adenoids removed. So when she was two, we had the adenoids removed. And I went right back in the office. And I was like, there's something else wrong. So we did endocrinology because she's small, and they thought there might be a hormonal issue, and that, that came back fine. And so he sent us to the pediatric neurologist. And the neurologist, um, this is in January last year, he's like, she looks normal, but this little bit of regression he was concerned about. So he did a genetic panel, and, and I'm not familiar with exactly which panel it is, but it's the one that detects for deletions, and it, she has a deletion on one side. So it uh, comes from my husband and I both. One of us has a deletion, one a mutation, and that's the only reason he found it. If she had had two mutations, we probably still wouldn't know what it is. And at that so, point, did you have a diagnosis? So it came back. She was a carrier of MSD, which didn't mean that she had it. And then they did a, a, a further test that came back that yes, she does have. She she was yeah she was um, 
she did have it. And as far as treatment, so at that point we went, we're in Mississippi, not a huge amount of medical resources here, but we went to a doctor in Jackson, Dr. Carmsey, who happened to um, come from Washington National. And, you know, we were, we went up there and we're like, okay, what do we do? What, what um, clinical trial, what drug do we try? What do we do here? Um, and he was like, I'm sorry, there's nothing. There's not, there's nothing available. There's nothing you can do. You know, he had reached out to uh, a doctor in Italy um, to see what to do. And he referred us back to a parent in Ireland who had started a foundation. Well, what was known about MSD at the time and, and how much of a, a patient community was there, if at all? There, there, the, there's actually quite a bit known um, about MSD. It was um, the gene was discovered in 2002. They started they they started diagnosing it in the 70s. Um, they know exactly what's going on in the body as far as the processing and everything. And the 17 enzymes they've known that for since that 2002 time. Um, they just, and they had actually done a mouse model in 2011. They treated a mouse with gene therapy. Um, so there's a knockout mouse. Um, there was these resources available. They just it just stopped kind of in that time frame, and nothing happened afterwards. So the, a dad in Ireland had they, his son. His his name is Alan Finglace, and he started MSD Action Foundation. His son was diagnosed a year before Willow. His name is Dylan. He had started a foundation, and that was the only kind of movement that w that had been made. We had a Facebook group. Um, and he started finding patients through Googling and searching and, you know, seeing news articles out there with MSC on it. You mentioned this is an ultra-rare disease. Is there any sense there may be more patients out there who simply don't have a diagnosis? Absolutely, and I think they are misdiagnosed. I mean, at some point, they're going to be diagnosed with something because there's definitely something wrong. Um, but our families, I've talked to many of them, they were diagnosed, like, with cerebral palsy, or um, some were diagnosed with um, metachromatic leukodystrophy, MLD, because that is one of our deficient enzymes. So if you just test aerosolvitase A, it'll come back positive. Um, so I, I absolutely think there's children out there that are diagnosed with MLD or some other diagnosis um, that, that have MSD. Well, what led you to create the United MSD Foundation? So once I talked to Alan, and he's like, you know, all we need is time and money. <laughs> the science is there. We just need to keep pushing it along. We That's when we started our foundation and started fundraising and started talking to doctors and scientists and bringing groups of people together. And what is the foundation looking to do? Our purpose is um, to uh, fund research, enhance quality of life, provide resources, and build a network of patients with MSD. Um, and other related lysosomal disease in the hopes of funding a cure. Uh, how successful have you been at, at finding other MSD patients? Um, we've been pretty successful. I mean, when we started this, um, when Willow was first diagnosed, we knew of 23 kids, and we know of 47, 40, actually I think it's 49 now. Um, so in a year and a half, we found, and again, that's not any kind of formal Referrals, pulling people together, people Googling us, um, and the, in the Facebook community. Uh, normally for a, a lysosomal storage disorder, you, you might think in terms of, at least initially, of an enzyme replacement therapy. You mentioned here there are 17 enzymes that are implicated in this disease. Right. Uh, I, I take it uh, that's led you towards gene therapy since there's a single gene, even though there are 17 enzymes. Is that correct? 
That's correct. I mean, we haven't taken ERT off the table, but um, it, there's a couple problems. I mean, one, there are so many deficient enzymes. The other is that the biggest problem with our condition is neurological, and so ERTs are still kind of coming along as far as the, the brain. Um, but, yeah, it is um, – it, It's. I'm not a scientist, but it seems like gene therapy is probably our, our best hope. We are doing we, – we are in – our request for a proposal process right now to award some grants. And, um, you know, we are looking at drug screens, um, chaperone therapies, other things too. I know you were working with Dr. Stephen Gray at the Gene Therapy Center at the University of North Carolina and, and raising money for a clinical trial. Where, where are you in that effort? Uh, we're early on. We're, we have mice that are sick. Um, they're, they're working on the mice that are sick, and he's going to start treating the mice uh, late this year, early next year. Um, so we're still in the early stages, but we know the mice are going to react because it was done in 2011. Um, so, you know, we're very hopeful that that's going to come through and then we just have to figure out how to do a clinical trial. The good thing about Steve Gray is that, you know, he's done this before. He's done it with, um, GAN, you know, so he, he, it's a small condition as well. It uh, has a neurological and a physical component, and uh, there was very few patients. So that's, it's, you know, he's has experience trying to get that through FDA and everything. One of the, the big challenges for uh, an organization like yours is often finding researchers who are interested in their disease. Was Gray already working in this area? Were you, did you do something to entice him into studying this? Um, no, I, I uh, emailed him and then called him and then I flew to his office and I sat in his office and I cried and I said, you have to help us. <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, I don't have, you know, I mean, they all want to help. They, I mean, all the doctors we talk to want to help, but they're just so busy with every, all the other conditions because there's so many, you know, and he's like, I don't, he says, I don't really have time. To, like my people are all busy. I don't have you know, any more room in my lab, I don't, you know, and I was like, you have to help us, like, you've done this before, you know how to do it, and so he just, he couldn't say no. At this point, is there any kind of a timetable for when you might see that therapy advanced into the clinic? Uh, well, you know, from what I understand, and again, we're kind of early on, but, um, there's a huge backlog because of, uh, trying to get virus vector created as a GMP virus, the GMP grade virus vector produced in manufacturing. So I think that's going to be our holdup. I think we're going to be able to get through mid next year treating the mice. Um, and if we have to treat a large animal and then we're going to be, I think, stuck in this waiting pattern for the manufacturing. So that's, you know, what we're hoping now that some of that's going to, something's going to open up for us. Um, so I, I think we're looking at, you know, late 2018, 2019, probably if you ask Steve, he would say 2019. Obviously, uh, you're, you're not from the biosciences. Uh, I imagine this was a, a new world to you in many ways, but I, I found it interesting to see that United MSD has a, a much broader research strategy that's very spelled out on, on its website. Can you explain the strategy and how you went about putting it together? Well, I mean, we use, we try not to recreate the wheel. So there's many, many foundations out there that have done this, you know, outside of the lysosomal community and inside of the lysosomal community. So we, you know, share information and, and I always, I call up, I, you know, 
Cure San Filippo. I call Glenn, ask him how he do it. How did you figure this out? What what? How, how do you know how this works? And so I try to use other resources. Yeah, because this is a whole new world for me. And every day, I figure out more that I don't know. And, and in terms of, of that strategy, can you give a, a little sense of, of what the overall scientific strategy is? Um, our strategy, you know, is to um, fund research. Um, in the area that's going to bring the greatest advances quickest to a clinical trial. So we're focused on um, stopping the disease progression, repairing damage, and improving quality of life. Um, we believe investments in these areas is essential to bring desperately needed treatments to market. Um, and we have, um, the, like, the two priority areas halt disease progression because with the gene therapy, it's, from what we know, it's not going to stop, um, it's not going to go backwards, it's not going to reverse anything, it's going to stop the, the progression, stop the, the regression in, in its uh, tracks, um, and then from there, you know, finding therapeutic strategies that will repair the damage that's already been done. Where are you in terms of advancing potentially other types of therapies? We're very, very early on. We just started this. We, our foundation's been around um, six months, I think. No, no, about no, about a year, I guess. About a year ago, we started this. Um, so, like I said, we're just now um, looking into funding these um, the the drug screens and the chaperone therapies and the, the gene therapy. So, we're very early on. There is um, with MSD. It's I can't remember if I mentioned this or not. It is a lysosomal condition, but it's actually functioning is outside of the lysosome. And so the the missing enzyme, the FGE enzyme, is outside of the lysosome. And so there's probably something to all of that science. I mean, they, there's been a lot of work done on MSD, even though there's very few kids, because there's interest there on how it can ignite all six of those lysosomal enzymes. So I think we're going to see, you know, hopefully some attraction, some development there, you know, from maybe pharma and stuff that, um, that a treatment, maybe not gene therapy, but a treatment for MSD could help the six other uh, related conditions. Amber Olson, president of the United MSD Foundation. Amber, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.